Hey everyone, welcome to the Midpoint. Today we'll talk to Dilip Kumar, a super interesting person who has gone through a tremendous transformation. He was overworked, he was overweight, and super stressed out. Something had to change, and he did. He's now an endurance sports enthusiast. He runs marathons below three hours, which is super impressive. He's still a tech entrepreneur, but also an advocate for fitness and nutrition. It's going to be an interesting story on how he made all that change. But before we dive into that, I'd love if you could subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are and like the episode. Give us a review if you can. We really appreciate it. So let's welcome Dilip. Enjoy the show. Hey, Dilip. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hi, Rico. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. So today we're going to talk about health, fitness, nutrition. Let's see where this is taking us but before we go there um i saw you on strava this morning uh doing a run somewhere outside of bangalore tell us how did, how well how did it go uh the run was good uh not as refreshing as it's usually uh been for me uh although it's peak summer where i'm staying so i'm based out of bangalore in india and i am towards the last leg of my training for 10 kilometer i have a race 10k race coming up on this sunday Oh, so nice. my legs are a bit uh, uh, beaten, cooked, and tired, but otherwise all good. Oh, wonderful! Uh, how how is it to run um, in sort of Bangalore's outer? How, how far out are you, by the way? Because you know, it's uh, India is a very big country. Yeah, it is <laughs> India, of course. I mean, uh, not related, but India is now probably the largest population in the world. So India. Oh, we heard that. Yeah, we all, everybody yes. read about that one. <laughs> Yeah, of course. So as an Indian, I'm not sure if I'm proud about that or how do I to feel about it. But um, India is a, definitely a big and a versatile country. Bangalore is uh, the southern part of the country. And uh, I am almost to uh, the outside of the city. Uh, so not very outside because Bangalore is a very growing city. It's uh, also known as the tech capital of the country. It's also the uh, the second valley of the east, as the people call it on uh, on online. So, yeah, so uh, my side of uh, uh, where I stay, I mean, I have access to the roads, but I also have access to lush green farms so I can get some trade runs. So my morning runs are usually very undistracted from both vehicular movement and humans. So that way it's good. Uh, but just because it's summers, it's peak summers, it just becomes a bit hard to run when the sun is really on top of your head. But yeah, it, it's, it's a good time uh, and good place to be in if you ever come to in India. Mm. Well, we have to maybe tell everybody uh, listening here as well, we are not going to introduce um, Dilip as sort of the the new um, online fitness coach, uh, you know, running guru or anything. Um, it might be a little bit controversial since all of this is online to hear that you're not selling anything, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if the listeners would get disappointed after uh, what would they hear about me as an intro or maybe if they have read about me anywhere in the online world uh, i'm just an average joe who uh, realized and appreciated the importance of staying healthy mentally and physically a little late in life and therefore i took up to myself to learn and uh, imbibe those best practices so mm. I am not a coach. I have no nutritional products to sell. I have no nutritional coaching to offer. Um, I'm just here to say what worked for me. No, no links to click left and right, uh, you know? Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely zero. <laughs> Please don't click anywhere. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. I mean, I'm so always amazed how uh, those algorithms on on any social media, including sort of the video platforms, and how how quickly they adjust. Like you watch one video and you get sort of down the rabbit hole, and they get more detailed, very specific, sometimes very dogmatic. Um, so this is not what I want to do today. We want to talk about your transformation, sort of what you've taken away from that. Um, you've gone through a tremendous transformation. So why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about before and also after. What do you, what sure, happened? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Let me tell you. Uh, current. So, I'm 40 year old, uh, father of a two year boy, uh, staying with my wife uh, in Bangalore. Uh, right now, I believe I'm probably in my one of my best uh, uh, phases, both mentally and physically. I'm sure, and hopefully, it would just improve from here on. But uh, back in the years, uh, in my 30s, so professionally, by the way, also to set some context. Um, I worked in most of my professional career in technology and startups. I've uh, you know been an entrepreneur for most of my professional career, and uh, you know right after uh, college I got into technology uh, you know related jobs. And um, in my early thirties I started doing startups. Uh, so back then, uh, when I look back now to my older pictures, I could realize that yes, there is a transformation. But when you're living that moment. You don't really understand, or you probably can't appreciate what is good or bad for you because you're living in that moment, right? Uh, so it's very easy for anyone uh, to have a visual appeal when they see version A and version B, but when you are either of those version, you don't know what is an ideal version to yourself. So I was living one of those moments in my early thirties when I was overweight, I was extremely stressed, uh, and it was all an outcome of not having healthy lifestyle. Uh, uh, you know, everything around startups kind of coming along to uh, eating you very hard uh, on your life. And just one day I realized uh, enough is enough. Uh, of course, there is a there was this Eureka moment, which we can double click if, if you like to. But there was this moment in my life I said, you know, I have to take a pause and uh, probably rethink on my algorithm of life, how I want to design and program my future. And that was a moment and running was a uh, beautiful anchor to me at that time. And I just stuck to it and uh, I can now probably tag a few more identities to myself. I'm a runner, I'm a marathoner, so and so forth. But uh, that's that's a teaser to what the last 10 odd years have been. Uh, I mean, I can completely empathize with that. Before, uh, if I remember correctly, sort of after school, after high school, sort of beginning of university, I was... Um, uh, about below 80 kilos, sort of below 170 uh, pounds and um, cut, well, 10, 15 years, 15 years, let's say 15 years later, um, I was 230 pounds or sort of over 100 kilos, sort of 105, five kilos. Um, and I mean, I'm still in progress working that, working that all off. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to sort of replace the fat with a muscle uh, so i'm definitely bigger I'm never going to be 78 kilos again for sure just uh due to the muscle but um it maybe comes that everybody comes to a point in life where you 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 might realize that you've neglected some parts and I, I'm maybe in, in in your 20s the career might come in into the way as well or sort of you're very focused and let's be honest you you don't put on um pounds that easily when you're 20 uh, compared to when, you, when you're 30 um what was that phase for you like in the twenties? What, what what distracted you in retrospect from from taking care of your body? 
Yeah, I think like uh, any other average kid in India growing up, I think early uh, school and college, I used to play a bit of sports, but it was not really from an intent of staying fit. It was just for the enthusiasm of playing a sport. And mm-hmm. uh, as you may know, in India, one of the most widely known and played sport is uh, cricket. So mm-hmm. it just came very naturally to, you know, uh, hang around with friends and uh, enjoy that leisurely time when you're not, uh, when you're actually supposed to be studying, but, you know, uh, hedge it with some playing cricket. So sport uh, was merely a tool to have fun, but not really a mean to stay fit or really appreciate the nuances of health. Hold that thought for a second before you go on. Uh, maybe a little bit controversial question, but how much of a sport is cricket? If you, you know, if you, if I, if if I would compare that straight with baseball, I don't think baseball is known for a lot of running. Maybe just sequentially, when you hit the ball, then you run. Otherwise, like how how much how much of a sport sport is it compared to running? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this question I'm sure is going to tip off almost uh, a billion plus people if they had to. Uh, <laughs> One point five you know, now. One point five. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm I'm discounting the toddlers and infants, so probably around a million adults who are going to uh, not be very uh, happy by uh, making a comparison to baseball and cricket. But yeah, I mean, yeah, look, cricket is uh, I mean, it, it's an aerobic sport uh, in the sense it's got skill. At the same time, it needs to have a particular physiology. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of movement and running, both lateral and otherwise. And uh, but it's got very good. I mean, it's got a technique-driven, uh, just like tennis or football. But football, mm-hmm. of course, is is more aerobic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I can't I can't do those comparisons because I played baseball myself. Uh, the only uh, access to baseball for me has been playing video games. Uh, very few of them. Uh, but yeah, but for me, cricket was one of those tools uh, growing up. Uh, but like I said, it was not. Not really uh, played or pursued to stay fit, yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. and then you know moved on. Life happened. You go to college, and then you you know move out. And like any other uh, middle class uh, Indian or otherwise, uh, you know, someone from middle class society, you would rather want to get a job. And those were the pursuits. Uh, and uh, you know, in my professional career, very soon I realized that maybe I'm not enjoying much um, in the corporate uh, uh, you know framework and uh, I decided maybe I have to start out and explore entrepreneurship again it was not getting swayed by uh, the glitter around entrepreneurship because I was just bored by doing what my job is so the only alternative was either to look for another job or perhaps figure out what I want to do with myself so I chose the latter mm-hmm. and that was been a typical pursuit so yeah just to you know uh, summarize uh, playing sport didn't come naturally to me. Uh, even now, I mean, I don't play much sports. I mean, running, if you tag it as a sport, that's the only thing which I'm engaged with. But growing up years, uh, sports was not really much of an integral part I can be proud of. I think I read somewhere that you wrote, um, school and college failed to teach me um, sort of health and fitness. I, I, I feel we here in Switzerland, we also try to connect um, sports with play you know, to, to have fun. And I think for my kids, I also don't necessarily want them to be become athletes at every sport they try. I think in, in at the center, the goal is that they have fun and find something they really enjoy with the assumption if they really enjoy, they might train more. And if they're talented, you know, if, and if they want to continue, sure, sure, they can. Um, is, is that something that you would recommend for the schools or for sort of the society in general to, to change that we teach 
kids more about sort of anaerobic aerobic training sort of what 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 do you need as a baseline to just basically stay healthy or or what's your intent when you say they failed me to teach yeah i mean i first of all want to put up a you know i want to elaborate on the sentiment essentially mm-hmm. uh, first of all it's it's a very cultural uh, experience right i mean whatever i have experienced was very specific to where i was at that part of my life and my environment and my situation it may not be very true for my peers in other parts of the city in the country or maybe globally right uh, so culturally in india when you're growing up in your school and i'm talking about you know early 90s 80s uh, sports were largely an extracurricular activity right? it was not a primary oh, activity mm-hmm. which is anchored and i understand now because over the past many years i have absorbed and have consumed cultural experience uh, globally have been in europe and us and elsewhere understand culturally we are, we are very different now of course things have changed so you know when i was growing up like i said uh, sports used to be a very dedicated uh, slot in your school time uh, it's either some blocked around sometime early in the morning or late in the afternoon and you're just supposed to play some game right mm-hmm. uh, so that's the entry point uh, the entry was not largely hey sports can be a tool or a means to explore yourself it could be your identity your character or any other ancillary experience like team bonding discipline all of that right? it was just a sport mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. people would probably hive off from them to say you know if they like some sport it's mostly skill driven so you know in school they would have a football team or a or a cricket team or a basketball team uh, and and there it would be largely from a competition point of view because you're doing you know school competitions and stuff like that right yeah. so most of the definition of sport uh, at least in my like i said again uh, very specific to my situation was mostly uh, this is a slot which you can get in and uh, enjoy if you want and then come back and focus on primary what is you're supposed to be coming to school that's uh, studies or education and the same philosophy also step kind of resonates back in your family right because uh, you know middle class indians uh, you know they live most of their life uh, earning money so that they can send their kids back to school and it's a it's funny it's 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 a it's a cyclical situation right and that's what every parent has done and that kid would go out and probably one day become a parent and they would also do that to their uh, future kids right so that culture when you see it it pretty much sings because uh, when you're at home parents are expecting and again you know situation has changed uh, you know significantly and dramatically uh, mm-hmm. in, in in right now we are talking about 2023 but almost 20 25 30 years back it was not the case right and therefore the sentiment which i i made a post online was uh, i could not uh, or rather i could not learn the importance of staying healthy and eating right and what eating right means and what should be the right eating or what should be the wrong eating mm-hmm. uh, in my school or perhaps my family didn't really uh, inculcate in a very specific way right of course uh, at home you are asked hey eat this but you are not given a theory behind why that's healthier why you should eat that and if it comes mm-hmm. to you with a good palate you would eat it as a kid and if it doesn't taste well you probably ignore it uh, and your ignorance is essentially later on uh, uh, you know contradicted by saying hey this is good for you and therefore you should eat it but you still don't have the logic or the reasoning why that's 
good for you right yeah. so therefore yeah to sum it up that was my sentiment i could not learn uh, even if someone was teaching to me it was not direct enough for me uh, and i put a blame to myself i'm not putting the blame to uh, you know anyone else uh, but course. i realized it <laughs> late in my life and i thought maybe probably i should go back to first principles and learn it again yeah i mean so so you can definitely te- not teach your kids uh right away because well, you can but they will ignore it because the sugar size just tastes so much better but i think yeah. at an age of 16 18 20 22 i think you can definitely start to think about uh and 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 see what that could mean although you don't see the immediate impact because you're just burning everything through your metabolism at that time yeah right? Yeah. yeah, and I'm, in fact, I mean, just to kind of give you a uh, you know a real uh, anecdote, right? I mean, I'm not sure how's the culture in Switzerland, but in India, uh, even now I see often uh, when someone visits uh, a guest comes to your house uh, and they're visiting a kid, they will mostly take a chocolate or a pastry. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. will probably not take a apple or an orange or any food, right? Uh, so sweet is essentially injected early on more as a cultural greeting. Uh, right, because you're you're going, I mean, that's a culture in India, right? When you visit someone, you have to take something uh, as part of the greetings, right? And mostly you are dipping in uh, some sweet sweet products, mm. uh, chocolates mostly, uh, or pastry, oh, that's or cheese, and that's all right. Yeah. And that's and I don't see that. Uh, I mean, at least from the limited experience I've traveled outside of India, I haven't seen much in Europe or US. Right? So that I, I itself you see early on. Yeah. 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 I think there's the notion of sharing and, and, and sort of offering something, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, it can be, it can be a healthy offer. Uh, I think yeah. over here. Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, when, someone, when someone brings a, a fruit, you would probably look upon and the kids would feel disappointed because why would you bring a fruit? <laughs> right? I was <laughs> promised <that's>... chocolate. <laughs> yes. And, and also it's funny, right? I mean, um, the, the way the parenting had happened, uh, funnily, right? I mean, uh, you would always incentivize the kid. Uh, it's like a stick and carrot model. You would incentivize the kid that if you do something, you would be given a chocolate. Or yeah. if you don't do that, I will gift you uh, an ice cream. So very early on, kids are essentially cemented with this thought process that, hey, that's good for you. Yeah. And they don't realize that their metabolism is, uh, you know, is going for a task early on. Gotcha. Super interesting. So, so now going back to a little bit of double clicking on your story, um, when you, when you came to that realization, I think one quote I found, uh, from you is everyone has a reason to change. We all need to find that reason. What was yours? I, I, th- I, I find this a brilliant quote, uh, honestly. Uh, tell us, tell us what, what yours was. Yeah, like I said, I mean, when I was going through the trans, I mean, I didn't realize it was a transformation moment for me. That was one of our Eureka moments. Uh, you know, in my early 30s, I was doing this startup, uh, technology related startup, so extremely stressful. And there was this one fine moment when uh, I was just coming, getting down off my staircase in my uh, in my apartment and mm-hmm. uh, I toppled and I twisted my ankle, uh, you know, and I call that as a Eureka moment because uh, that was the baseline to everything what happened to me, uh, you know, right after. So my ankle got twisted and, uh, you know, quickly to tell you the story, I was supposed to travel to Germany uh, and I did travel and I went to a doctor and said, my ankle is twisted. What do I do? He said, that's all is well. So you probably, you know, don't worry and just go. So I went to Germany uh, and it was uh, peak December. It was extreme cold. I came back to India and my leg just swelled. Uh, so essentially, you know, long story short, it was a wrong diagnosis. Uh, it just became acute ligament tear because I was not diagnosed properly. 
went to a surgeon and the doctor says that you know I have to go through a surgery and they probably will have to put some rod and all of that stuff and then let's look i was reading up online i said it's too early uh, of my in my personal life to get through a surgery right because there could be some consequences you're just injecting implants and rods i said what's a natural way to uh, do a rehab he said you have to go to a physiotherapy so i went to a physiotherapy uh, went through a normal rehab uh, procedure and the physio there said that look one form of rehab is you probably have to jog and i freaked out i said look uh, you know mentally i'm not prepared to put my leg into stress again because i freak out every time i see a stone on the road he said mm. that's the way you have to strengthen your ankles and your ligaments by making it back to movement so i started i remember uh my physio said you know you have to go back every morning 10 15 minutes you have to jog uh and the pictures uh, if anyone would be seeing on the screen or you know any reference you may have uh was of those those times where i told my wife uh, look i'm going out for a for a jog i came back and i told my wife i saw a human who was jogging non stop for 15 minutes how is it possible so that was my that was my revelation like how how can humans non-stop move for 15-20 minutes uh, and that how naive I was because that just explains my uh, my my definition of fitness at that time so that was that point for me and uh, you know in India again it's a cultural thing we have something called medical insurance where you can submit your medical bills mm-hmm. and you can claim back the money as part of mm-hmm. your reimbursement right so it mm-hmm. comes around roughly around uh you know 500 600 uh us dollars equal mm-hmm. uh so end of the year you have to collect all the medical bills and give it to your uh, finance person so that he can give you that uh, reimbursement so i sat down and i realized that my my collective um total of my medical bills were almost more than 60% of my annual income then oh wow right so that was a revelation for me and when i sat down to sift through the bills there was not a single part of my body whom where i haven't seen shown to a doctor right from head to toe i've been visiting um, hospitals left right center but it, none of that really dawned upon me because you know those were just happening uh, yeah. you know month on month but when i sat down and you know you do those uh, analysis uh, you know people mostly do their wealth portfolio and i was trying to do my health understand what's happening with me instead <laughs> that's of getting, where we should start <laughs> yeah instead of getting 300 dollars i probably might have got nothing less than 2000 dollars worth of medical bills uh, wow. so i was shocked so yeah so that was my reason that was my moment uh, at that point i realized it's not about how much you earn how much you uh, you know spend your energy in life it's more about how much you conserve Uh, and how much you bring back to your life um, mm. yeah i mean just to cut to philosophy uh, you know i realize you know enough is enough and uh, uh, got to make a change yeah i mean that's the only thing you cannot get back once you lose it right um so in a, in a way or it, it might be very expensive but it's definitely something you can't just buy um if you want to be healthy so you need it's kind of need to, need to work and put put it to work What, what did you do? What what did you change after that revelation? Yeah, I mean, I tried a lot. Uh, like I said, uh, that point when I was supposed to do these jogs, you know, mm-hmm. somehow uh, that as an activity really excited me. Uh, uh, a jog progressed to running, and I felt running was a very liberating experience. When you go out early in the morning, uh, there is zero traffic on the road. At least those days when I used to run. Uh, you know fresh air 
uh, fresh mind. Uh, you know, you're not convoluted with a lot of thoughts because you're just, you know, out from your bed. So those 30 to 45 minutes, 60 minutes over the weekend uh, would really give me a sense of great accomplishment. And I would come back. Uh, now, when I look back, I could probably see, okay, that's what the endorphins were. Or that's what the runner's high is. But I, I was happy when I come back. I felt a great sense of achievement that, you know, I've unlocked something new in my life every new day. So that was uh, that awakening moment. And uh, I think it naturally made me stick to it and build up a consistency. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, back then, if you had to ask me, uh, you know, did you had any goals to be where you are today? None. Uh, losing weight was not the goal. Being a marathoner or being a fast marathoner or whatever that could be a sub three marathon was not really a goal. The goal was just to go back and just experience that feeling again. Uh, and it just built a streak and it just gave me some consistency and I just kind of progressed from there. Yeah, I, I see that with, with uh, myself. I, played, by the way, hated, hated running um, most, of, most of my life. I did um, sports, team sports, swimming. Um, cycling but otherwise I mean I always try to avoid running and, and for for many people exactly how you described it is sort of the how can I get to actually running continuously that's sort of the biggest hurdle a lot of people don't maybe it's also partially embarrassment when you obviously walking and obviously have to stop and restart how did you get over that hump I mean is it was just basically how, how long did it take you was it was it just a non-issue and just up in your head or, or how how did that go about yeah, I think what worked for me is pretty much a template what would eventually work for everyone. And what I mean by that is not everyone should take up for running, right? I mean, it could be any physical movement uh, which could uh, give you those high. For some, it could be yoga. Some, it could be swimming. Some, it could sure. be, you know, gymming. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, every human individually uh, would have those moments when they feel that uh, uh, this is that activity where, uh, you know, uh, they can relate. Like I said, I have you know, friends who, like you said, they don't like running, they hate running. And I find it very odd, like, how can someone hate running? Because I am so uh, deep into it, right? I mean, running is more than just a sport for me. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to describe what running means uh, at times. Uh, but I think what worked for me is essentially going back with that consistency for that feeling. I was essentially selfish and hungry to get back to that feeling. It's funny. It's like mm-hmm. if you have chocolate, you would want to go back and eat that chocolate again, or it could be a particular ice cream. In my case, it could be a red velvet, uh, red velvet pastry. So if I have one, I can't stop. I want to have it another, right? So that feeling what you get when you eat something great or you know, watch something great, you want to have that again. So for me, it was just to get that feeling back because everything else what was happening for me with me throughout the day was not giving me that high. It was when I, I was going back to bed with a sense of, uh, feeling that, you know, I couldn't achieve anything today. But that 30 to 45 minutes made me feel I achieved a lot. It's very hard to explain what that achievement was, but it really gave Mm. me that sense of feeling. So for me, it was just that feeling, just to go back and get that feeling again. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I mean, you alluded to it already a little bit that it's not just the running, but also sort of the quiet in the morning with sort of empty streets. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, outside, even even outside of Bangalore, you'd have a lot of, lot of traffic, a lot of um, sort of commute happening very, uh, very soonish. Um, so maybe maybe it was all of it in the morning that got you started. Uh, did you feel, did you feel 
it had an impact on the rest of your day, on your productivity, on sort of how you how you ta tackled sort of other issues to at work or other, in other places after doing those runs. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, like I said, uh, that feeling compounded on me day by day, month on month, and eventually it started. It, it made me appreciate what time management is. I mean, of course, the upside was that, yes, I was energetic. It's funny because when you put yourself to a physical stress, it's very odd when someone says you are, you feel more energetic. But for me, and I'm sure for most of the runners, um, it's that feeling, right? It makes them feel energetic. It, it gives them that feeling and sensation that uh, you have more to offer uh, to, to the day and to people around you. So for me, that mm -hmm. definitely there was a feeling, but it also gave me a lot of other uh, intangible upsides. Like I started appreciating time. I started getting disciplined and probably we can talk if you, you know, if you think that's appropriate, like how I started, you know, getting better with some structured training and therefore discipline came in. Uh, you know, right now my schedule is very regimented and for a lot of people it's very boring because I have a templatized day in day out uh, calendar but yes uh, i had those upside feelings this is the moment where you could sell this with a link you know i have this template that everybody can buy from me <laughs> which which you're not right <laughs> well, tell us yeah, about it so what, what's what's the discipline regimen that you have today like fast forward to a uh, a marathoner that runs below three hours like what how do you what 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 compounds all of your workouts throughout throughout the week yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, uh, when I tell a uh, few of my friends that, look, I live an athlete life and they joke, like, look, the definition of athlete is either you have to be an Olympian or you probably would have to compete at the world champs. I said, no, I am none of them, but I still, um, I live uh, and I train like an athlete life and rather an hybrid athlete life because, uh, yeah, fast forward, I'm a marathoner today, which means, uh, you know, in, in a typical year, I will probably... Uh, race two marathons and uh, a few half marathons and maybe a few uh, 10 kilometers and therefore uh, I'm training pretty much throughout the year and that mm -hmm. training is essentially this uh, this bible or a preamble for me which kind of dictates my life today it's everything centered around uh, the training and I've been super lucky to have a family specifically my wife uh, who is a great connoisseur of good food uh, so therefore, we enjoy uh, cooking, mm -hmm. uh, pre prepping our food ourselves. I think one of the uh, greatest hack of 21st century, which I figured it out, is to cook food in batches. So, you know, uh, that kind of helps uh, for, you know, usual professionals because they're extremely busy. Mm -hmm. So we would actually cook at least for two, three days in batches. And that doesn't mean we eat the same thing, but we have a base. So it could be you could have your salads or if you, you could have a pasta or you could have a millet or quinoa, any of those stuff and just have that as a base and put in some, you know, stir fried veggies or chicken or whatever you, you know, your dietary choices are oh, and see. then make it the way you want. So not, 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 uh, you're not the meal prepper, like the million, uh, social media influencers out there that show sort of how to do, how to eat the same dish for seven days. You're basically recombining. Um, so you basically create a batch of something that you can reuse, but then you combine it with other stuff. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it depends. Yeah. It depends. Like say in India, you know, mostly we are more heavy carb eater, uh, you know, so therefore if any choice of carb, it could be rice, 
uh, or it could be, you know, like I said, any of the superfoods or have it. Yet again, I'm getting multiple business ideas, what I could eventually sell to the online world. But as of now, I have nothing to sell. <laughs> to put that disclaimer. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a hack which worked for me. And, you know, I guess the few friends I suggested, it seems to be working for them. So, yeah, that's an easy, I mean, these are few easy hacks to see how you can be a little more efficient with time. Mm. so that you can continue to eat uh, home-cooked food. Yeah, I mean, you say you're a heavy carb eater. I think the whole world is, depending on sort of what the base is, be it, be it uh, potatoes or rice or et cetera. Um, I, I can top that, actually. Sort of when we are having Indian food uh, with my Indian colleagues, you know, I was eating the rice with my naan. Um, and everybody goes like, no, you don't do that. You either eat rice or you eat naan. You don't do, you go buy both. So maybe they gave, they gave me health advice instead of cultural advice. <laughs> Yeah, that's a first world sin if you you know if you combine two carbs together <laughs> but but it might it will naturally come to an indian when uh, you know when you see um, uh, you know uh, rice and uh, naan together but uh, yes i mean i think uh, i think the like any any elsewhere in the world i think every culture is very uh, very unique like mm. what works in europe uh, is very different from what works in US and therefore the rest of the world and Asia. No, no, for sure. But I, I like the healthy um, food prep advice here. It, it's, uh, my, my goal is to, and I'm joking here, um, to get a six pack. Um, I've seen you also talk about that. Um, we don't necessarily need to go too far in deep to there in, into that, but I think it's common knowledge for the 20 year old out there when you're 30, when you're 40, maintaining a six pack might not be the healthiest advice. Uh, what would you sort of, as you grow older, what would be your advice when it comes, when it comes to muscles? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, I have a very funny analogy to it. It's something like, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's tough to be, remain a millionaire or billionaire than becoming a millionaire and billionaire, right? You can become a billionaire, but to remain a billionaire throughout your life is very hard. Uh, right. And I think for me, six pack remains the same. I mean, it's easier to have a six pack but to maintain a six pack is very hard and nothing against it right i mean there are so many folks out there men and women who can have six pack but uh and i can't really comment whether it's good or bad to the health or not mm. but it this like it it will keep you away from those uh you know happy moments in life where you also need to occasionally have that ice cream or your chocolate or your dessert or you know and you can't uh, as much as you may want right so for me Personally, I realized uh, when I looked at the what all I need to sacrifice to get a six pack, I said, no, I mean, that's not for me because I don't want to sacrifice my occasional beer, uh, you know, or my occasional biryani, uh, which is, uh, you know, one of the mm -hmm. well-known dishes mm -hmm. in India, it's delicious. Uh, you know, uh, because you, you, yes, and you need to indulge in these, uh, you know, uh, small things in life. And so therefore you can get to a six pack. But uh, you can't be off track to enjoy it. So for me, that was the point, right? That uh, you don't have to. Everyone, uh, I mean, fitness and being healthy need not be defined as a metric where you're counting your six packs or your jawline. Uh, fitness and healthy. Because that's that's what we see on social media, right? That's what, what is portrayed on social media. That that's the, you know, they all look great. Most of them, I'm not sure sort of how they got there whether they took the easy route or the, or the difficult route. Um, what I what I was pointing at as well is just in terms of muscle building as you grow older, 
that's actually the key. I, I was um, at a time in Asia um, visiting a doctor because I had always this neck pain. And it was a little bit of a revealing moment, not necessarily for a transformation, but just basically to start training strength. She basically said, look, we can either operate or you start training um, your muscles. And I'm, I was really shocked to hear that from a doctor. Uh, but she kind of slapped me, uh, wake me up in a way verbally um, to get into strengthening. And I think muscle, building muscle, maintain, or more importantly, maintaining muscle is something that everybody should do, just especially when we grow older. Right? Yeah, of course. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, especially, yeah, you're very right. I think for people, uh, I mean, I think it's very odd to say people who age, but let's call it um, people who are becoming younger by, uh, you know, going up on their age radar. Uh, I think it's super important because our physiology uh, is first to to know that it's not what it used mm-hmm. to be in your 20s and mm-hmm. 20s, right? And therefore, uh, there was a research done which said that if you if you fall, uh, when you're in your late 50s and early 60s, there are higher chances of death. Uh, and the chances are increases 65% more just because you don't have that physiology mm-hmm. anymore to, for longevity, yeah. right? So therefore, strength training is super important. Uh, and this is regardless whether uh, you're pursuing any athletic sport like running, swimming, cycling, or any for that matter, right? You have to, and it, this, this is relevant for everyone, uh, regardless of gender, whether it's male or female, uh, everyone need to do strength training of some kind. So yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, emphasize more on the importance of strength training if you want to remain injury free, pain free mm. for a longer, happy life. You have to indulge in strength yeah. training. And it was ultimately also the revealing re- re- moment for you, right? Initially, when you tripped, that which which creates this created this chain uh, of of events up to your crazy medical bill. Um, now, um, maybe if we can circle back to sort of those trainers that um, are out there to to pay a lot of money or all the, the algorithmic videos, I feel like you've been um, also saying that you've rather started to read up on sort of the scientific side, on the research. Like, what would be your advice for all of us out there that, you know, are bombarded with these videos wherever we go, sort of to to sharpen our critical thinking a little bit? What should we look out for? How can we cut through the clickbaits and the bullshit? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish there was uh, an absolute, uh, you know, three or five uh, best practices which can save the world. But we have to understand that the world we, we live in, uh, it's, a, it's a world of capitalism and consumerism, which means people are making money off you by selling you all the time. Uh, every minute you watch something, Every minute you read something, every minute you listen something, you've been sold something. But unfortunately, you and me right now don't have anything to sell. Uh, maybe that's a good part on our, or maybe bad part on others, but uh, that's the reality. Uh, and therefore, I think it goes back to fundamentals and first principle that you need to build that resilience and maturity in yourself, not to be vulnerable enough so that you can become victimized and having someone sell you something, right? And that comes, I think, with a sense of curiosity. Uh, And uh, when we were kids and everyone, uh, you know, at point of time when they were kids, I think much of our knowledge, which we enjoyed, came from that sense of curiosity of learning and knowing why that happened. For example, why, why uh, why does an aeroplane fly like that? Or why does a train move like that? 
right? Or how does a car move like that? And we would go back to our elders, our, our parent or anyone, and, and, and they would basically explain us in first principles that this is how mechanical engineering is, or this is what an automobile engineering mm-hmm. is. So I think that's a sense of curiosity. And therefore, I think uh, that is your biggest weapon. It's your biggest... Uh, I feel that sense of curiosity is the greatest indulgence you can have in your life, right? Because that's your tool. It's a superpower. So if you have that curiosity and you could learn and understand why you should have protein, why should protein be a maximum intake, why you should keep your carb low, uh, what are the type of vitamins? And this comes regardless. And therefore, my previous point, right? These are not taught in your school and college, right? Depending on whether you are... science student or yeah. non science student it doesn't come to you uh, in a very natural way and i feel this should be basic like every human uh, when they are born they have the right to know what is good for them and what is bad for them in terms of what goes into, inside their body so i think for me what worked again is a sense of curiosity because i was also like i said like you said was exp- uh, exposed to a lot of this social media uh, glitter and i was confused because i have someone saying that you should have low carb and someone telling me zero carb and i was super confused i i didn't know whether i should have a whey protein or a plant protein or a vegan protein so i went to the uh, dark side to read and understand i think uh, the best literature i found was scientific research papers they are plain in english there are a means for researchers to put their knowledge and put their uh you know research out there to the world to say this is what they have done so i would recommend anyone that because no one is selling you anything on in research paper these are findings that can be right or they can mm. be wrong right so best place to start is go and pick up any of those research papers to understand it's very simple at the onset people may get really overwhelmed and intimidated like look i don't have a phd background and how would i interpret what is written these are simple languages right and these are far more valuable than a clickbait article yeah. or when you go and put it on google to say that how much of protein should i eat or how much of uh, magnesium should i take there are 10 guys who would at the at the disguise of giving you knowledge would sell you something mm-hmm. because they want to sell you the magnesium pill they want to sell you the protein powder and they're going to tell you that they are the best supplement company but if you read the research papers they're not going to sell you anything mm-hmm. so i think that can be a good starting point which essentially makes you more educated to even if you chance upon those clickbait articles you would have the uh know how to filter whether it's right or wrong right uh, i mean you can't keep yourself away from clickbait articles i would it. say I mean, that's the word yeah i would say it. in general sort of uh, don't don't pay for stuff uh, you know at the beginning right sort of as you start out and as you as you start diving deeper the research part is really really useful because yeah there's no necessarily no intent there to make money of it if somebody if there's a good, there are good articles and good videos out there on on social media um but as soon as they start to say like my formula is the best then then you know you shouldn't follow <laughs> maybe you shouldn't follow yeah. further yeah no good um that's super insightful and and thanks so much for for taking your time um although you didn't want to sell anything i believe that you made plenty uh, of advertising for the swiss chocolate industry throughout this episode uh <laughs> from the beginning to the end it sounds like that's your craving i don't even need to ask for that uh, i know that chocolate pops into your head whenever you think of sugar <laughs> um 
it, it would be hard for people to believe if I say I have at least one one bite of dark chocolate every day. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I would love if any uh, chocolate company in Switzerland would want to reach out to me and you know sponsor me for any marathons. I well, don't mind. <laughs> let, let me let me let me do some agent work for you there when it comes to sponsorships. <laughs> So uh, thank you so much for, for taking your time to live. And um, if there's anything um, you want to know about um, sort of about nutrition, do not ask Dilip. He's not sending or selling you anything, uh, but you can definitely follow him on social media. We'll put everything uh, else's website into the show notes. Um, and yeah, uh, please follow. If you like the episode, follow this podcast, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening here, like the episode, give us a review, please. And um, thank you, Dilip. All the best. And I look forward to catching up again. Thank you, Rico. Pleasure it was. And I hope the conversation was useful to the listeners. Uh, absolute pleasure. And I look forward to another opportunity to talking to you again. Thanks, man. Good luck with the, the competition this weekend. Thank you very much. And have a great day.